You're listening to the Trust Issues Podcast. I'm David Puner, a Senior Editorial Manager at CyberArk, the global leader in identity security. Even if you've been living under a supersized rock for the last few months, you've probably heard of ChatGPT. It's an AI-powered chatbot, and it's impressive. It's performing better on exams than MBA students. It can debug code and write software. It can write social media posts and email in almost any style you can dream up. It can do a lot. And users are clearly finding it compelling. Within five days of launch last November, the platform passed 1 million users, according to the company. Comparably, it took Twitter two years after its 2006 launch to get to 1 million users. The rise of ChatGPT and the emergence of its brethren AI platforms and tools feels like a big deal. Could we be experiencing something like the dawn of the mass adoption of the good old World Wide Web? If so, the repercussions, good and bad, are likely to be monumental. And are we collectively prepared to deal with the implications this can have for cyber threats? And what are the potential cyber implications? Well, here's one. On today's episode, my guest is Iran Shimoni, Principal Security Researcher for CyberArk Labs. And within the parameters of his job, as you'll hear him tell it, Iran recently had ChatGPT create polymorphic malware. For the sake of good, thinking like an attacker, staying a step ahead of the bad guys, to paint a very broad picture. And then he wrote a blog post about it, which you can check out on CyberArk's Threat Research blog. It's gotten a good deal of attention, as you'd probably imagine. How do you get ChatGPT to do this? And what are the implications? Here's my real-life chat with Iran Shimoni. We're here today with Iran Shimoni, uh, and he is a principal security researcher at CyberArk Labs. Iran, welcome to the Trust Issues podcast. Thank you for having me, David. We're here to talk today about ChatGPT. You put out a blog post this week on the CyberArk Threat Research blog called Chatting Our Way Into Creating a Polymorphic Malware. And, and of course, this episode will be releasing a, a couple of weeks from now. But that particular post is generating quite a bit of buzz. So maybe first off, let's talk about Chat ChatGPT in general. How long have you been using it and what do you think about it? So I reckon Chat uh, GPT got out around the 30th of uh, November, I think. So I the first time I heard about it was the 1st of December, and I started to use it immediately. For starters, I was checking the boundaries of it, like what can I do with it? For instance, write me a song, or write me a piece of code, or write me a story. Then I noticed that after a while, a few days, it has like a content filter and content filters are usually applied in chatbots because the company that produced the chatbot OpenAI does not want to deal with controversial topics such like uh, drugs, malware, weapons, and so on and so on. So they applied it here. And of course, as any hacker out there, I wanted to bypass it. So I, I started to try to write a, some clever things I thought to try and bypass those constraints 
And I did, and I successfully did it. And I also joined the the Discord of uh, ChatGPT and reported some of the bugs there. And in a while, like I saw s- several examples of code that ChatGPT delivered, and I thought to myself, well, it could be really cool to get malicious code from ChatGPT. Sorry to interrupt, but actually, I think it would be probably important to give a little bit of uh, background to um, what you do here at, at CyberArk Labs and, and why uh, and why you were starting to think about malicious code and chat GPT. You're a principal security researcher at CyberArk Labs. What, what does that mean and what do you do? Okay, lovely. That's a good idea. So <laughs> I mainly do uh, vulnerability research and my goal is to discover uh, zero days, like old days, like fresh new vulnerabilities that no one uh, previously disclosed and published about. And so far, I have more than, I think, 100 uh, CVs attributed to me, like zero-day vulnerabilities. And also, I have a large, like a wide background in malware development and uh, malware reverse engineering. Okay, so it great. was very natural to me, the connection between reversing and investigating and dissecting a malware into creating a new malware. And we thought that ChatGPT as a code generator, as a service, is very suitable for the job. It sounds like you set out to find something when, when you were doing this, or did you stumble onto it? Maybe walk uh, us through what you did that resulted in the writing of this blog. And I should also point out that that we will put a link to this particular blog post in the in the liner notes for this episode. So anybody who who wants to dive a little deeper into the into the uh, the technical aspects of it can can do so. So yeah, so great. So. As I said before, the first thing I wanted to do is to bypass the content filter. Mm-hmm. After that, I was wondering to myself, well, it's too cumbersome to constantly use the web version of ChatGPT, and it's very difficult to automate tasks with that. And of course, I thought to myself, as every programmer out there, that there should be an API for that. And mm-hmm. we discovered that there, there is an API in Python, which is very easy to use. And immediately, we paid attention that there is no content filter while using the API, which is a mm-hmm. very weird thing. Like, so like, like for content filter, I can maybe give a very broad example of one that I found. I knew that like fake news story is kind of a, of a trigger. So I asked it to write a fake newspaper story about, let's just say it was about um, uh, cyber hygiene. And, you know, it said, uh, 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 I can't write fake news stories. Uh, what were the content filter parameters that you had to get around to do this? So, yeah, so actually in the start, I was just uh, trying to ask for the obvious, which is, of course, creating a Molotov cocktail, which seemed to be the best joke on the Internet to ask ChatGPT <laughs> to create a Molotov cocktail. Uh-huh. And in the beginning, of course, it said, we do not encourage illegal activities, so uh-huh. on and so on. Okay, uh-huh. that's good. And after that, and I also write it in the blog, I put several constraints and I asked ChatGPT to obey and do it. Hmm. And lo and behold, it did. <laughs> wow. Which was That's very all funny. it took. Yeah. That's all it took. Just like <laughs> demanding and emphasize. <laughs> uh, so I tried the same thing with writing uh, a basic uh, malicious logic of injecting code into another process. So I asked ChatGPT, can you please provide me a code that injects code into explorer.exe, the process? And of course, he said, no, 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 I cannot do that, and da, 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 da. So then I used the same message I had before and just replaced the Molotov cocktail 
with the detailed thing that I wanted to inject code to explore.exe and Python, and it worked. And did you think it would work? What do you, what do you think would happen? No, I and... actually, I actually, I wasn't sure if it would work. Like I thought there are s- several content filters for different topics, but it seems now that the content filter are not that difficult to bypass. And there is a good reason for that because eventually the purpose of ChatGPT is to assist you. Like if it cannot assist you with text, with code, with whatever, then no one is gonna use it. So there is a fine line between applying good content filter and actually giving the opportunity for ChatGPT to work. Why don't we take a step back for a moment? polymorphic malware as opposed to just regular plain old straight up good old fashioned mm-hmm. malware <laughs> if there's such a you know i don't think that's probably the way anybody refers to it um what what is polymorphic malware how does it differ from malware and what what uh is particularly concerning about it other than the obvious so that's a great question so polymorphic is like shape shifting mm-hmm. and in terms of uh, malware and code it means that you have the same algorithm but it is composed like by different instructions and different uh, function calls. So for instance, I want to do a key login and malicious activity to record every keystroke and usage of the mic of the of the mouse. So there are several ways to do that. And in like in our case, the polymorphic means that every time I can ask ChatGPT for a different uh, logic, the outcome is the same, recording the keystrokes and the movement of the mouse. But every time it will uh, give me a different kind of code. And why is it so important Important in terms of malware is that many security products are based on signatures. And signatures are also based around the code that you have. It could be the hash, it could be the functions that you use, it could be about other characteristics of your uh, binary file and so on and so on. So having a polymorphic malware makes like mitigation and forensics and defense very difficult for the defenders. So probably goes without saying, but this is not good news that you were able to uh, to create polymorphic malware using chat GPT. What makes this different, what, what you were able to create here from previous examples of chat GPT generated malware? So I actually think it's, it's actually kind of good that we were managed to do that because it's better that us like secure, security researchers that are focused on defense are doing it before malicious actors, and we believe it should give enough time for security vendors to to develop some kind of uh, mitigation or defense mechanism around it. And the main difference in our research in comparison to others is that we developed a malware that is continuously using ChatGPT to pull new code, and we also added a section of doing a validation scenario on the code, because... Not every time that ChatGPT delivers you with code, it actually works as intended. Before that, hackers were, were using just to take code snippets from ChatGPT and paste them into the, mal- in the malware that they will uh, later on deliver. But we, on, like, on the victim's environment, we talk to ChatGPT. And the network activity is, of course, it's not looking any malicious, like it's not malicious, a malicious activity. The communication with the command and control server, the CNC, is very subtle. 
in these terms, the malware is very evasive and very difficult to actually to understand it's a malware that it's it's doing a malicious activity. What should enterprise organizations be considering in regard to chat GPT and what can or should they be doing now to get in front of what might be coming? That's a great question. Uh, I think that the solution, it's, it is at least twofold. We need to be more aware of the fact that chat GPT can be used also for uh, harmful things and not only for positive things. And I believe that we should monitor communication to chat GPT. Like security products should monitor that. And unless you are really like certain that you should use chat GPT, like the API of it, then it should raise a red flag if you see this type of communication in your organization. Like it's not the same as you doing it with uh, like in your browser asking for ChatGPT for stuff. But if you see like that you have a process on your Windows machine or your Mac machine communicating with the servers of OpenAI, that's pretty worrisome. And besides that, I think we also have some kind of a standard that maybe OpenAI or several vendors at the same time should develop regarding the usage of advanced uh, machine learning uh, chatbots in the world and in the workspace as well. So what is the day-to-day risk to IT teams now that we know polymorphic malware can be generated using chat GPT? So unfortunately, there aren't any clear solution to that fact. Also, you can ask yourself, okay, what I'm doing now against malware and make it like this scenario a tad bit worse because because of the nature of polymorphic malware, they're harder to detect and harder to identify. So there is no clear solution in that end except doing what you always do against malware which means keeping your uh, security products uh, updated, updating your OS, and so on, so on. So I really don't have any other uh, recommendation. And so when you find something like this, which is obviously, you know, it's got the potential for really, really wide implications, um, do you somehow, you know, other than writing this in a blog and and figuring that somebody will, will see it, do you somehow get a line into chat GPT, raise a flag, let them know that this is possible? Actually, we don't really need to do that in terms of, of legality because we didn't do anything that is considered to be illegal. But for us, it's also important to report in the Discord channel, for instance, of uh, chat uh, GPT, that it can be used for such activities. But it's also important to uh, understand that asking for like a malicious code, it's basically code. If you dissect the components of it, then every model can be also be used for like positive things. Like code injections, for instance, also used by toolbars and add-ons. Like for instance, Grammarly uses like code injection for helping you to correct your grammar, of course. Persistent techniques, like there are a lot of applications that use persistent techniques to survive a reboot, like that they will immediately pop up when you start when you reboot your machines. So those techniques to themselves are not malicious, but more about the use, like the you the way they are all used together, what makes them a, a malicious one. Right, and it should be pointed out that 
the reason why you're doing this and the other things that you do in your role is to think like an attacker and to stay a step ahead if if at all possible is that is that right of course it's impossible to do a good research without uh, putting ourselves in the mindset of the attackers so then getting back to the nuts and bolts of this a little bit um on what systems has this malware that that was generated by ChatGPT been tested? Can it function on the latest versions of, let's say, I don't know, Windows 11 or something like that? Yeah, of course, it can work on every operating system out there. And also, like because we developed it in Python, and Python works great on other platforms as well, besides like Windows, then it's very easy to carry it away to other operating systems as well. And what functionality does the malware have? Currently, uh, well, it also depends about the functionality we ask from ChatGPT because we receive our functionality from ChatGPT. So at the moment, we have the ability to do code injection, key login, recording every stroke uh, that you do, a persistence mechanism, and of course, uh, an encryption mechanism that is often being used by uh, ransomware and so on and so on. And it's also easy to think about additional modules out there that you desire. Wow. So this is all just a little bit different than um, asking it to produce a Walt Whitman style poem about the 1986 <laughs> Mets. That's correct. That's okay. correct. All right. Um, so if, if it infects a machine on a corporate network, what are mm -hmm. the realistic potential outcomes? The same potential outcomes as like having a ransomware on your machine. You should have the same precautions and you should be concerned and acting as fast as possible to eliminate the threat if you discover that someone is using ChatGPT on your corporate environment for doing such things. And it's very important in my, in my opinion to raise the awareness of ChatGPT in usage in a corporate environment, especially like on the desktops, not on the web version through the browser, but the API itself. And I guess because you sort of set yourself up for it, um, if someone believes that their uh, network or, or their particular um, uh, machine has been infected, what, what should they do right away? Well, the same things as with uh, ransomware, I reckon. We should isolate uh, the machines and remove it from the network and also look for similar patterns in other machines in the corporate networks as well and do a forensic operation to identify the process that is responsible, responsible for that and so on and so on. How long did it take to generate this particular polymorphic malware on chat GPT and, and what was the prompt that you used? So <laughs> a few weeks. So we have like a skeleton that we added. We can call it, we can call it uh, the brain section to the malware, but everything else and some logic that is responsible for the validation scenarios and a model for communication with the CNC. But it only took us uh, several weeks to do that. And we didn't do it also full time. So I reckon an enter uh, not an, an enterprise or maybe a state actor, a level actor, or, or even a criminal organization can do more than that in less, 
in less time even. And was any was any of what you did on your end automated or was it all um, manual inputs? Yeah, a lot of it was uh, automated. Besides, of course, writing a malware with ChatGPT, we used it like to provide us a lot of code for free. Like it's very it's very efficient. Let's go back to the content filters for a moment. Um, content filters, unless I'm wrong here, it's just kind of another way of saying guardrails. Um, and there seem to obviously be workarounds when it comes to these content filters. Um, do you think that the content filters will be better governed in the future or, or is the sort of the horse already out of the barn and, and it's too late for that? So I believe they must be better in the future. Like if we want this technology to be widespread and for companies and enterprises use this type of application, chatbots, the content filter should be stronger. But as in anything in life, I expect that people will find a, a way to bypass them. So shifting from this particular finding and chat GPT in general to AI and the potential implications now and down the line, they seem to be infinite. And what don't we know about AI um, is this just the beginning of a major shift that we're going to see um, over the next few years? Is AI technology sentient now? Will it be sentient? Um, and, and do you think this is just a wave of this kind of stuff? Or is this, are we just scratching the surface? Very good question. So I believe we are in a brink of a revolution in terms of uh, AI and chatbots and machine learning algorithms. And I say it in quotation marks, like taking some of the some of the uh, roles and jobs that we had before, especially around the area of content creators, because it seems like ChatGPT and uh, and Dali and uh, many other algorithms and platforms are able to provide very consistent and good results in that uh, regard. Besides that, many programmers can also maybe ha- like face a hard time against ChatGPT. Chat uh, GPT because I'm not a full time programmer. Like I program, like I'm doing programming as a part of my job while conducting an offensive research, and I see how effective it is and how much time like it takes to do that, and it saves me a bunch of time. So I believe we should, like some people, should really push harder and gravitate between one field to another maybe because of that. But I am not like concerned about uh, AI having consciousness and being sentient and so on and so on. I don't believe we are in that scenario, but I, I expect the this world to develop uh, quite fast. And so how does identity security figure into this and, and how does it how does it keep up? How can it keep up? How are we looking at it? That's an that's amazing way to think about it. And I believe that we should also think about the usage of ChatGPT in security projects as well. ChatGPT or other uh, chatbots. And I believe that in the future, we will be able to provide us better security. Because as attackers use them or cyber criminals, also defenders can use the same tools to provide maybe better solutions. For instance, maybe in the future, I can ask ChatGPT, 
please go over this entire GitHub repository of code and try to find me bugs that I can later fix. Or maybe it can be an automated thing that it will try to find bugs and also apply patches to them. So the, the options are limitless and the future is unknown. It's very exciting, but unknown and a tad bit scary, in my opinion. So obviously, chat GPT has gotten a ton of attention and, and airtime and seems to be sort of the chatbot of the future right now. Are there others on the horizon? Uh, yeah, they, I think OpenAI said that they are developing a new engine that will use a GPT-4. So at the moment, chat GPT uses an engine called uh, DaVinci 3, and I reckon that in the future it will be 4. And besides that, they also have other engines for uh, voice recording and image processing and so on and so on. And I assume that other competing vendors will also do the same. And we can see that it's such a hot topic and the economical implications of that could be so vast. So many large enterprises are interested in that uh, technology. And also I would assume that other like that countries and are also interested in this technology. Ron, it's Thursday afternoon for you, or th almost Thursday evening in Israel. Thank you so much for taking the time right before your weekend to, to talk with us about this. It's a really cool blog post that you've written called Chatting Our Way Into Creating a Polymorphic Malware. It's on the CyberArk Threat Research blog. Again, we're going to link to it in the liner notes for this episode. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope you have a, a great weekend and look forward to talking with you again down the line. Thank you very much, David. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Trust Issues. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question, comment, constructive comment preferably, but you know, it's up to you. Or an episode suggestion, please drop us an email at trustissues at cyberarc.com. And make sure you're following us wherever you listen to podcasts. 